From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MBW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in, but why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parm. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. Welcome into this edition of Hand Raised Guys, presented by Comer Heating and Air, Southern Air Conditioning and Heating. I'm Neil McCready. A little shorter show for you. This edition of Hand Raised Guys, presented by Comer Heating and Air, Southern Air Conditioning and Heating. I'm Neil McCready. A little shorter show for you today on a Friday. We have uh, pumped out a pretty good amount of content for you today on the podcast network. I know a lot of you driving to Omaha today, tomorrow, so hopefully some of this makes the drive a little uh, shorter. David DeLucci, former Ole Miss great, former Major League, uh, 13-year Major League player, uh, 2001 World Series champion, now a member of the SEC Network, ESPNU. He joins, and um, in a little bit, you guys will enjoy this visit with him, about 37, 38 minutes with David. He's in Omaha, obviously has been there all week for the College World Series. The finals, the championship series of the College World Series begins on Saturday evening. It's Ole Miss and Oklahoma. They'll play a three-game set, potentially a three-game set, uh, Saturday night at 6, Sunday afternoon at 2, and then if necessary, it'll be on Monday night at 6 o'clock. All of those games, Central Times, all of those games on ESPN. We'll have post-game shows after every game, win or lose, here on MPW Digital. Uh, what we'll do is just keep doing the way that we've been doing the shows after each and every game from Omaha. We'll get Brian Rippey, get Jeffrey Wright, visit with them while Chase Parham, who's in Omaha, does his work. And when Chase gets free, we'll uh, be joined by Chase from Omaha. And then we'll, of course, take your calls on the Rafters Music and Food Hotline. Again, I was telling you this show brought to you each and every week, Comer Heating and Air, Southern Air Conditioning and Heating. If you're in the Oxford area, the Tupelo area, it's hot. It's really hot outside. If you're having problems with your AC, you need to get in touch with the people at Comer. 662-801-1777. Eric Payne and the people there, not only do they provide great products, but their service is absolutely amazing. You can call them. They understand. They live here too. They'll come out. They'll help you fix your situation, whatever the case that is. Um, All of those things at uh, Comer. Meanwhile, if you live in Memphis, Hernando, Olive Branch, South Haven, those kind of areas, Get in touch with the people at Southern. It's the same products. It's the same services. It's really the same people. It's just different names. Get in touch with Southern, 662-429-4429, and they will take care of you as well. Uh, I'm coming to you from the Clark Ford Studios. Clark Ford's in Amory, Mississippi, 662-257-1900. that number. Call it. Ask for Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for. He'll send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. It's right to the bottom line. There's no hassle. There's no haggle. You just get your quote. You can shop that quote around. Up to you. Or you can do what I've done, what I recommend that you do, and that's hop into a Clark Ford. You'll love the service. You'll love the product. Uh, Corey and the people at Clark Ford, they want to be your car guy. They want to be your truck guy. People say, what does that mean? Call the number. You'll start to find out. 662-257-1900. David DeLucci, all other guests join on the Rafters Music and Food Hotline. Rafters, music and food on the square in Oxford. Great place to go in, grab a burger, watch the game. Uh, po' boys, appetizers, great beer selection, full bar and more. Also, Rafters in New Albany. 
And if you're trying to escape the heat a little bit this weekend, if you're one of the 15 people who did not go to Omaha from Oxford, and maybe you're heading out to Sardis to enjoy a day on the lake before you watch the game, stop by uh, Sardis on the water. Frozen margaritas, beer, burgers, everything. Make for a great day as you get ready to watch Rebels and Sooners on um, Saturday night. Speaking of the Sooners, uh, Kerry Murdoch, who is the publisher of Soonerscoop.com, my colleague in the Rivals Network, spent more than an hour with me earlier today. That is up in podcast form on MPW Digital. Uh, It's available. Also, Chase caught up with Ole Miss assistant coach Carl Lafferty in Omaha, about 16, 17 minutes. He went ahead and made that a, a special as well. So lots of content for you. Last night's postgame show after Ole Miss's 2 to nothing win over Arkansas is up a little more than two hours. I, uh, I was the big dummy. I forgot to hit the uh, record button on Audition, so we had to pull the file from Ecamm, strip the video. It was more than you want to know, but it took us a while, but we got it done, and uh, that's up as well. So if you're driving to Omaha, we're doing our part to help you um, pass the time between here and um, – middle America. So anyway, this, uh, I don't know if this is going to be up in podcast network or podcast form or not. We uh, have some exciting news coming, um, at least for us, uh, coming your way at some point next week about our podcast network. Uh, so there is some transition going on with the podcast network right now. Can't really get into details, but we normally load through um, SoundCloud and Podbean. The SoundCloud part of that might not be available to us right now. I will load through Podbean, but if you normally get your podcast through iTunes and such, it might be tomorrow or even Sunday before this is up in podcast form. But you can watch it here on YouTube, and I think you'll enjoy it because David was fantastic in this interview. I think you'll enjoy it, and we'll go to it now. Here's David DeLucci on the Rafters Music and Food Hotline. Former Ole Miss star, former major leaguer, current SEC uh, network analyst, David DeLucci, kind enough to spend some time with us from Omaha. Been there all week, was going to be there all week. I suspect, David, that you, you're a professional. Had it been Arkansas or Auburn or whatever that was still there, you'd, you'd do your job and you'd do it well. But there's got to be a little part of you that's pretty excited that it's Ole Miss. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, the uh... – Inside of me, uh, the former Ole Miss baseball player, I absolutely have loyalty to that school and that baseball program. So uh, I definitely pull for the Rebels, but I am uh, hired and paid by the SEC Network to uh, announce games and to analyze games right down the middle. So I do my best not to be a homer when it comes to reporting and talking about the game itself. And uh, I was in a good situation because the way that the brackets were, it was looked like it was going to be an SEC team in the championship series. And as Ole Miss continued to play well, uh, the homer in me uh, is smiling really, really big and proud of those guys over there. Let's talk about the Thursday game, Dylan DeLucia, Connor Noland. The, the truth is, Nolan was really good and and you know it gets you kind of feel bad for him a little bit because it gets overshadowed by the fact that Dylan DeLucia was absolutely phenomenal I mean Connor Nolan I think if you had told Dave Van Horn on Thursday morning he's going to give you eight innings he's going to give up two runs he's not going to walk a soul he's going to strike out seven or eight or whatever he did I think Dave Van Horn would have thought we're playing Oklahoma this weekend yeah um and look he's had a 
fantastic season. Um, had a rough spot toward the end of the season, had some arm fatigue, and then they gave him a little extra rest before the SEC tournament, and then he kicked it back in gear. He's a competitor. He's a former quarterback for Arkansas, so you knew he was going to go out there and give you everything he had. And his previous showing out here was fantastic. I think he had 11 ground ball outs or something like that. So he did basically the same thing to Ole Miss that he had done earlier in the College World Series. And he gave Arkansas every opportunity for them to take advantage of his outing. But it just goes to show you how good Dylan DeLucia was. The fact that when you get to this state of the season in the College World Series, you are going to have somebody that's going to give you that exceptional effort. And Connor Nolan was, uh, he was great, but Dylan DeLucia outshined him. What was DeLucia doing to Arkansas that, that made him so unhittable? He looked like he was a little, like in the first, first inning, and Mike Bianco talked about this after it was over, he was a little worried that the slider was going to be a little flat. And then, man, that second inning kicked in, and he was just nails from that point forward. Had a little bit of trouble in the seventh, but really nothing other than that. I mean, you just don't see that type of outing very often. First of all, you don't see a two-hour and four-minute college baseball game. That doesn't happen. But we got one of those where nobody got a walk. But DeLucia was just, I mean, he was just amazing, David. What was he doing? So that was a baseball game the way we are used to being traditional baseball fans. That's how baseball is played. Yes. The pitcher attacks the strike zone. He finds out what his pitch is working for the day, and he goes with it. And if the other team can hit it, you tip your cap and you pass the baton on to the guy behind you. And that's most likely what Dylan DeLucia was thinking. Early on, you're absolutely right. I was watching and the fastball looked good. It had some life to it. It, it ran uh, to his arm side, and it also elevated a little bit. He had a high um, uh, uh, RPM on his fastball. So um, he tried to throw the slider. It did not go well, and he abandoned it. He knew what was working for him, and he stuck with that. And the fastball, he was able to run inside on the right-handed batters, and he was also able to elevate it for a strikeout pitch. So I loved it because he immediately knew what was working, what was not. He adjusted. He stuck with that the whole time, didn't abandon it, didn't try to get too fancy. And the success that he had early on, he just let it go. And the confidence, you could see the confidence building more and more and more. So it was perfect. Two pitchers going at batters. Uh, that's baseball, man. It's not trying to paint the outside corner and not throwing – you know, balls all over the place. Dylan DeLucia worked ahead in the count nonstop. I, I think there's a stat. I think he had thrown 75 of his 113 pitches were for strikes. Yeah. I mean, that is getting after it and going going directly toward the strike zone. It it, it was a remarkable outing. It, it kind of put the – I guess we're not through putting the icing on the cake perhaps, but it put some of the icing on, on a cake that I don't think anybody thought was going to get baked in April. I mean, this – this is an incredible story, man. When, when, you, when you take a step back and look at this story, and I, I've been saying this for a while, if you wrote this down and sent it to Hollywood, they'd be like, I don't know, it's kind of corny, it's kind of hokey. That's, eh. I mean, the, the loss to Arkansas is the only thing in there that's kind of quasi-realistic where they'd go, well, at least something bad happened. You know, they, they, didn't, they, they didn't finish. And this team, in, in, they were 7-14 and 14 in the league. You've been a part of, of a lot of teams. You've been a part of championship teams. This is still such a weird story, right? That, that th- this team with the coaches about to get fired, 
Um, they're seven and fourteen. They're 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 not playing well. They're they're frankly mediocre on good days at that point. For them to turn it on the way that they did, still, but they kind of finished slowly. They lost two out of three to A&M. They lost to Vanderbilt in the SEC tournament. They're the last team into the NCAA tournament. If I told you in middle of April, hey, David, I think Ole Miss is going to be in the championship series in Omaha, you would have thought I was nuts, right? Well, we'd have both been nuts because I was saying the same thing in the middle of April. As a matter of fact, I was being made fun of on the SEC network. We did a segment on Rally Cap, the show that we do every Sunday, and, uh, and that was one of the things that I uh, was playing like I was addressing the fans. But my comments were that the, the talent is there. The players that were returning from last year's team that were one win away from going to Omaha, they're still there and they can still play. They can still hit. The pitchers have electric stuff. They just couldn't put it together. And I, I think if you really dive deep and, and you take the emotions out of it and you start looking at who's on that team, Tim Elko being the big captain, Kevin Graham, who's a clutch hitter, who's grossly underrated, uh, Bench, who I think is grossly underrated as well. He's very versatile. You just had the, the hopes that at some point during this season, before time ran out, that they were going to put it together. But I, I knew the pieces were there. And we had that segment and people died laughing. They thought it was they thought it was funny because the downward trend continued. Right. Yeah, sure. But they found it at the right time. And fortunately enough for for Ole Miss that there were some members of the selection committee that saw that as well. And that may be the only reason they got into the NCAA regionals was because they saw the talent on that team. And it was better than some of the other teams that were on the bubble. So they gave the nod to Ole Miss. Look, if you get 14 wins in the SEC, you're pretty darn good. It wasn't pretty, um, and they didn't beat the top-quality teams that everybody wanted them to beat, but they did just enough to get there, and then the talent, it just took off once they made the regionals. Like I said, you've been part of championship teams. Championship teams get hot. And they start playing with this confidence. Is it something that you can feel inside a locker room? You can feel when you're in the dugout on the field that it feels different, even though it's the same group of guys playing the exact same game, wearing the exact same uniforms, but something clicks, right? You feel it. You feel it. You see it. You sense it from your teammates. Um, you know, there's a saying I would always teach to the younger players and try my best to do. And, it's when you carry yourself on the field or off the field, no one should know if you were 0 for 5 that day or 5 for 5. Yeah. And these these guys are 18, 19, 20, 21 years old. It's hard for them not to carry their emotions around. Well, when you win, it's easy to have that air about yourself and to walk around with confidence. And that was the first thing I noticed when I watched Ole Miss up here in Omaha was I just kind of scanned the bench and I was watching the players and see how they were reacting uh, to the game and how they were uh, conversing with each other. It was totally different than the 2014 team that came over here. That team was tense. It was almost like they were overwhelmed with the situation. The team this year, they were handling themselves like they were the team to beat, not that they were the underdogs looking to upset other teams. Look, they were playing with house money, man. They weren't supposed to be here. So if they come here and they go two and out, it was a heck of a year. It was already a storybook year. So they were playing with confidence, and confidence breeds more confidence, 
and it also allows you to perform on the field. And uh, and look, when you have pitching performances like Dylan DeLucia and Hunter Elliott, that also helps with confidence too. It does for sure. It's a hell of a big stage too, Omaha. I mean, people use that word all year long. I mean, they they say, we're going to get to Omaha. We're going to get to Omaha. They, they you finally get to Omaha. And, some teams do exactly what you mentioned. They, they get tight. They look around and like, oh, my God, and it's different. You know, it's a double-decker stadium. Most guys don't play in double-decker stadiums. In college stadiums, it's a different, completely different kind of feel. Every game's on national television. It, it can be overwhelming to some teams. I think you see that just about every year. Look, man, it's 25,000 people uh, in the, the, the game the night before last. Now, yesterday, was, the game was moved up. Um, so it was a day game. We didn't get the crowd that we had before, but it was 23,000 and some change, 25,000. These are monster crowds. And some of these guys that, that will make it to the major leagues may never in their career play in front of 25,000 people. It's incredible, the atmosphere. And I compliment the state of college baseball to generate that much interest. And then also we have to take in consideration TV viewership. Uh, some of these games have had more viewership than the major league games that are going on at the same time. So it happened on Sunday is, night. Yeah. Yes. This yeah. is a monster, monster stage that these young guys are on. And the other thing is when you start the fall workouts, your goal should never be just to make it to Omaha because a lot of teams you can see, they get here. They're so happy. They're, they're taking in all this experience but they never thought about we what we need to do when we get there and, and how do we schedule our routine and prepare ourselves. And you can see both these teams, Ole Miss and Oklahoma, I talked to the, some of their coaches this morning. They are not happy with just getting to Omaha. They know that this is not the goal. And you can see how these players have celebrated their wins. They're not dogpiling and going crazy. They're happy. They're congratulating each other. They're showing some emotion. But you can also sense that that is not what they're here for. They want to win the national championship. I want to get to the series in a minute. I know you've seen Oklahoma a lot. You were at the, the Gainesville Regional calling that for, um, for ESPN. But before we do, I, I, you touched on something that I, I want to get to because if, if, if I don't do it now, I'll forget to do it. And that's the state of college baseball as a, as a, as a spectator sport, as a participant. You know, it wasn't that long ago, David, that, you know, if, if you – if you had a chance to go professional out of high school, that was probably your best bet from a development standpoint. That was probably your best bet for getting to the major leagues. That's really seems to be changing uh, quite a bit. I know you obviously played college baseball at Ole Miss, and it, it led to a, a long and, and um, a very productive major league career. But how do you do you see a difference with now guys that um, – you know, there was a lot of – the name that comes to mind is, is Peyton Stovall. They've talked about that all throughout the, the College World Series. He was a guy that turned down a couple million dollars to go play at Arkansas. Obviously, Peyton Stovall still wants to play in the major leagues. You see Jacob Gonzalez on the Ole Miss team, uh, you know, a, a major league prospect, obviously. This guy is going to be an early pick next year. Is it becoming more uh, popular among – high school guys to to go the, the major college route as a way of preparing for a professional career than it was maybe when you were coming out of high school? Certainly. A absolutely. And, and you know, another name that comes to mind, I was mentioning this uh, a couple nights ago, is Alex Bregman. He was another guy that uh, high draft pick that invested in himself, much like Peyton Stovall and Jacob Gonzalez. And when you make that investment, you have to have some uh,
security that where you're going is going to take care of you. They're going to develop you. And that's what we're seeing uh, in college baseball today. They're playing in 50, $60 million stadiums. They have uh, strength and conditioning coaches. They have a food program. They have everything that you could ask for, training staff that's top-notch to take care of these young men and to make them better baseball players. So really and truly, when you go into a big conference, especially the SEC, you are getting probably better care than a minor league farm system. And you're playing in front of larger crowds. Uh, you're getting a great education. Um, and, and it's a no-brainer to me. And you're big man on campus for two, some of these guys that are older, two years, three years, four years. You, you, are, you feel exactly what you're supposed to feel when you are an athlete. If you go straight out of high school and you're 17 years old and you sign and you go into the minor leagues, you're in the abyss for a good four or five, sometimes six years. Yeah. And I just don't think young players want to do that anymore. They want to go to college. They want to experience what you see at Ole Miss every weekend yeah. or any other school. And uh, and we'll see better and better talent. Uh, the draft has shortened considerably, so a lot of those guys are turning down the draft uh, and they're spending the extra year or two in college. And it's great for the game, man. I mean, you turn it on. And we always try to promote the next major league superstar is in college. Well, really and truly, the next major league superstar that may be up there in a year or two, which we're seeing a lot of these guys, Garrett Crochet from Tennessee. He went to Tennessee, and boom, he's in the big leagues at the end of the season. You know, yeah. next year, he's in the big yeah. leagues. So that's the next step. It's no longer rookie ball, low A, high A, double A. It could be the major leagues that next season. You make such a great point about the facilities and not just the stadiums, right? I mean, you go to at Ole Miss, at Mississippi State, at LSU, at South Carolina, Tennessee, Arkansas, I mean, name them pretty much. Um, you look at their practice facilities, their training facilities, the, uh, you mentioned nutrition and all of those things that are so critical for a young athlete in, in his development. And you're right. I mean, you, you're going to get more of that at, at, LSU than you're going to get at Grand Rapids playing low A ball somewhere. I mean, where, you know, there's, there's not a lot of money in the facility. It's, it's, it, it is kind of what it is. You're sort of on your own. You've got a limited budget for your diet and things like that. And I mean, you know, for the really disciplined player, it's okay. But for the, like you said, I mean, 18 year old kid that leaving home for the first time and mom's not there to cook dinner. It, it's, it's, it's a hell of an adjustment. I saw a lot of first-round draft picks never make it out of A-ball for that reason. They, they are not mature enough physically, and they're not mature enough emotionally to be able to handle a big sign-in bonus and be off on their own. And, uh, and look, man, I don't know where this NIL deal is going to go, but you're going to have some guys that are uh, going to make some money in college, and um, it's going to make it even uh, – uh, an even tougher decision to leave that um, and be in the comfort of a college program and best friends for three or four years to go start a, a professional career. Cause that career is going to be there and you could be a better player like Alex Bregman two or three years down the road than you were when you were coming out of high school. So I just think, I think baseball is going to continue to get better and better. Um, we still have that log jam from COVID where these guys are, uh, the rosters are stacked. I mean, look at this year, you got 24 year old uh, players in college baseball 
I was I was in my second year in the major leagues when I was 24. So these guys are mature. These are grown men that are playing the game. I think that's why it's much more offensive game. But I would rather watch Tim Elko all the way into his prime than to see him leave after a couple years. So and we're, and just think there's equivalent to Tim Elko's on every single team in in D1 yeah. baseball. Do you sense there's a broadcast commitment that's beginning to grow? I know you're you're there at the SEC Network. It's part of ESPN. All of that stuff. You, you know, they in in the past it was kind of like guys. Ah, the tournament rolls around. We'll, we'll show a little bit of it. I mean, they they did the 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 main channel that went from game to game and stuff this year, and and there was you know had coverage from every regional, every super regional. Do you sense that there's a feeling among I don't know executives, the broadcast executives, that hey, this is something that's worth investing in? I think this year was an eye opener, and I, I think the uh, the squeeze play, uh, which went around to every regional and super regional, I think that was the program that the network put on where they said, "Look at the ratings we're getting." And I'm gonna tell you what, uh, I, I sat in that conference call. Uh, that was not easy for fans to take a photo or go on to the internet feed to find Squeeze Play. Squeeze Play was not on ESPN or ESPN2. You had to actually do some work you to, to go get in there. the and Q- QR code, yeah. Correct, yeah. And yeah. they did it. I mean, it was unbelievable, yeah. the support that we had. So I think that really uh, – and look, if you're following college baseball throughout the, the last several years, you kind of sensed where the trend was going. Mississippi State had a heck of a run. Vanderbilt had a heck of a run, especially with two of the best pitchers uh, in a long time in college baseball with Rocker and Leiter. And and you can go on and on and on. The last several years, college baseball has been fantastic. But we needed something to prove that it was trending up. And I think that squeeze play and the number of viewers that we had and then also with the College World Series – and, and look, the games have not been that great. I mean, they've been blowouts. They've kind of been sloppy. There's a lot of errors being made. But I think the last two games between Ole Miss and Arkansas, yeah. people took notice. And I think they're going to realize that college baseball is where everybody wants. Look, bottom line is this is the last, uh, last stage where you play for a national championship with the team concept. And you don't see that in professional baseball. So America now – they want to see people that play together, not for money, but for a trophy, and that's what you get. Yeah, you're so right. Arkansas and Ole Miss played two really high-level games. Those were – I always joke about the guy in Dubuque, you know, like just sitting on his couch, flipping his channel, like, is this worth watching? Those games sucked him in, you know. I mean, he's like watching, like, hey, I don't know what's going to happen here, but this is kind of interesting. And, you know, you see Arkansas fighting for its life on Wednesday, and they force an extra game, and then you see Dylan DeLucia – throw an absolute gem like that. I mean, that's, that's the stuff that gets people excited about a sport and, you know, and, and interested in, in, in this case, hey, that Ole Miss team won. I wonder what, the, what they'll do against Oklahoma. So Oklahoma's run through this regional. Let's, let's get to them. You were in Gainesville when they began their uh, NCAA march. They, theirs was not as clean as Ole Miss's. They lost a game in Gainesville. They, they lost a game in Blacksburg. They have not lost in Omaha yet. But what did you – what stuck out to you about Oklahoma when you were watching them in Gainesville and as you've watched them this week in, in uh, Omaha? So the good thing for Ole Miss is uh, I truly believe Oklahoma was a, a five-and-a-half-hour rain delay away from losing to Florida. 
because before that rain hit in the championship game, Florida, Florida had the momentum and, and they were winning five and a half hours later. That will do that to a team where it puts both teams back on a level playing field and Oklahoma pulled that game out. Um, up until that point, I was impressed with Oklahoma because they had the bats going from number one in the lineup to number nine. And Kendall Pettis was a left fielder. He was the MVP of the Gainesville Regional. He was hitting the ball well. He's playing great defense. Since then, he's cooled off. But the key players are Peyton Graham, who is a dynamic shortstop, one of the top shortstops that you'll see defensively and also offensively. He's so good. Uh, Six foot four, hundred. They say he's one hundred and seventy five pounds. I question that. I think he's more like he's one sixty five. Yeah. But he's got crazy pop, over twenty home runs. He can steal bases. Uh, Tanner Treadaway, their center fielder, is having a tremendous College World Series. I think he's hitting five hundred for the College World Series. Um, and they've got some other guys. Jimmy Crooks, a catcher, two home yeah. runs. I watched him in the Gainesville Regional have two home runs in one game. He's a throwback catcher, very similar to Calvin Harris, no batting gloves, and he just grips it and rips it. The pitching staff, uh, who was average throughout the course of the year, has gotten into Omaha, and I don't know if it's something in the water or what, but the starting pitchers have only walked two batters. As a matter of fact, the whole pitching staff has only walked six batters, and their strikeout ratio is way up. Um, they are pounding the strike zone. They've really stepped their game up. And for Ole Miss, Ole Miss is going to see a lefty in game one. Jake Bennett is a six foot six lefty, and Ole Miss has had trouble with left-handed pitchers throughout the course of years. It's a great matchup. How big of an advantage is it for Oklahoma that they got this thing settled on Wednesday afternoon? They now get to reset their pitching staff. They're going to go Bennett, Horton, Sandlin. The, the closer, uh, Trevin Michael, who's been dynamic, is fully rested. He'll be ready to go. He can go multiple innings. And meanwhile, Ole Miss, I mean, because they lost on Wednesday, forced him to play on Thursday. They used Delucia. We mentioned how fantastic he was. The opposite side of that coin is that Dylan Delucia is probably not pitching until Monday, and even that's on short rest. Uh, Ole Miss has announced it's going to be Jack Darty on Saturday. They're going to keep try to keep Hunter Elliott on something close to regular rest and let him go on Sunday. How big of an advantage, if at all, you might tell me it's no big deal, but how, how much of an advantage is it for Oklahoma to be in that position compared to Ole Miss kind of having to shuffle? I think it's definitely an advantage for the pitching staff. They're well-rested. Um, anytime you get that extra day off, the pitchers – uh, probably benefit from it more than the hitters. As a former hitter, I would rather be playing every single day, especially if I'm hot. Um, you don't want to mess your timing up. You, you're in a rhythm. You want to stay in that rhythm. So maybe that affected the hitters. And if it did, advantage goes to, to Ole Miss because Oklahoma's a hot team. I think they scored 13 runs or something off of A&M, and they've, they've rolled through this College World Series. Um, so – the uh, the pitchers though, I mean they're gonna be they're gonna be strong. They're gonna be uh, uh, all the bullets are, are in in the tank, um, and it's it is a starting pitching staff that can eat up some innings, man. Um, so I think it will come down to the offense. Whoever's gonna win this thing is gonna have to have an offensive explosion. I don't I think we've seen it from Oklahoma. I don't think we've seen the Ole Miss bats hot from top to bottom of the batting order. Peyton Chotinier uh, only has one hit in the College World Series, and uh, Dunhurst only has two. 
So if Ole Miss wants to win this thing, they're going to need all nine hitters to get hot because there may be a couple high-scoring ball games in this three-game series. I know you've covered Mike Bianco for a while. You're, you're close to the program, that kind of thing. I'm guessing you're super happy for him, given all the sort of just adversity that went into the, the deal last season with the interview with LSU and all the pushback from that and then kind of an Omaha or bust sort of a feeling about this season. And they pushed, they came really close to pushing the bust, you know, uh, button, but here they are. It's, it's, I'm assuming that at this point you, you guys are friends. What, uh, how happy are you for him? I'm tickled to death. You know, a, a, a coach's job is a thankless job. And uh, oftentimes the coach gets the blame for the play on the field. Sometimes it's justified, sometimes it's not, but they do the best. And I, I know Mike is one of the hardest working coaches in college baseball, and he's had success. It's just not the last couple of years. The success that he's had has been over a long enough period of time that you got to look at the track record before you make a rash decision, right? And I understand fans want to win. It's not as easy as we think it is, uh, but I do know that he has given every fiber of his body to the Ole Miss baseball program. And, uh, and you can't find a more loyal guy uh, when it comes to his players and how he treats his players. And he's a father figure along uh, with the coach. I don't know what went on with the LSU deal. I don't know what the details were of that, but I do know that we have Coach V back in the Ole Miss uniform, and that's great. Um, so I'm so happy for him and, uh, and what he's done. He's taken a program in, in, in Ole Miss uh, that very few people outside of the state knew about. And now it's a national brand. And now I see, I see youngsters from Florida, uh, from, from California that are here in Omaha with Ole Miss gear on. It's a national brand, and it means something. As a former player, you know, the 95 team that I played on, I think we set the record for most wins. That was 40 wins. So we did something that we felt like there was going to be some momentum for Ole Miss to, to get a foothold in, in the country, and it took a dip. And then Coach B came in, and then it shot up. So I, I'm so proud of where Ole Miss is. I love seeing that logo, and people yell hotty toddy all across the country. Uh, and I'm happy for him because this journey, I think this year, all the rumors that were going on, it makes this much more satisfying for him. Along those lines, um, what would a championship mean? I know these are two of the hardest wins that if Ole Miss gets these two wins, they will be hard to get because Oklahoma is going to fight like hell for those two wins as well. But a championship at, at Ole Miss, uh, what, what would it mean to the, the program, the school? What would, what would it mean to you? Uh, I, I'm, I'm already so proud of these guys, um, for them to get a national championship. Um, it would be incredible. I, I mean, this is what, this is what you live to see if you're a fan of the program in the school or a former player. Um, it's right there and it's within their reach. And, and I remember that the team had asked me if I would get video a message to send with them. And it was hard for me to 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 sit there uh, and not feel a lot of emotions brewing because I know where this program has been for so many years and then to be knocking on the door and not get there, not be able to take the next step. So um, I also look at it as a learning lesson for any youngster, uh, Ole Miss Rebel fan or not, 
that is the underdog and thinks that their season is over or their career is over. It's never over until they tell you that you can't play anymore. They rip the jersey off your back. Ole Miss, the door was cracked by that much, and they blew it wide open. So anytime you have that little uh, chance or that little hope, if you believe in yourself and the guy next to you, anything is possible. So when a national championship, great. It would be great. It would be unbelievable. It would be so satisfying for all of the fans that have weathered the storm for so many years. But to me, uh, it is much more of a teaching moment. And guess what? The other thing that, that adds to this story is who won the national championship last year. Right, everybody, nobody goes back that far when they tell the story. But for the Ole Miss fans to see Mississippi State win a baseball championship yeah. and then to come back this year and have the season that they, they have is much more gratifying. Absolutely, because there's no question about it. Mississippi State winning a title this time last year raised the stakes. It turned up the heat. It, 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 if you were an Ole Miss fan, you sat and watched that. and I mean, you can, you can hate it or whatever, but you can't deny it from them because once you get a championship, a champion, as you well know, a championship's forever. I mean, nobody ever takes it away from you. No, nope. and, and that was one of the things in my message to the team was um, you'll be legends for, for, for the rest, forever, for eternity. Like your name is carved into that forever and isn't that what all athletes want i would hope that all athletes have the desire the competitiveness in them to say i want to do something that no one else does i want to be a trailblazer we all did i did that when i was at old miss playing and i know my team did we just were not talented enough and and uh and able to to reach that ultimate goal and there were a team since what 1893 or whenever this this program started that tried uh, to get to this point, you need talent, you need health, and you need luck. Yep. And sometimes better teams than what we see on, on the 2022 Ole Miss team, better, more talented teams did not have health or they did not have luck. And to get here, um, what they've had to overcome, not only that 7-14 and 14 record or all those losses that they felt like they should have won, there was a lot more that they had to overcome to get to this point. What has Omaha been like? Is it just a zoo out there? It is unbelievable, man. It is unbelievable. Um, the electricity that has been in this stadium the last couple of days uh, has been fantastic. Having so many SEC teams and, and teams from the SEC West uh, has been tremendous. It's, it's kind of like um, uh, Hoover West. You know, it's like, I mean, yeah. it's, it's just there's a company. It tells you what a bitch of a league it is, too, man. It's I mean, unbelievable. It, it is, it, man. That league will spit you out. It is, and I, I, I just I have this big smile on my face for all of the SEC haters that said this was a down year for the SEC, and I kept saying, no, it's not. It's just more balanced than we've ever seen. Uh, when you have Kentucky that probably deserved to be in the NCAA regionals, you had Alabama that was competitive. Missouri, look, man, nobody wanted to play Missouri, those yeah. last-place team in the SEC. Nobody wanted to face them at the end of the year. Um, and, and the haters just kept saying, no, 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 it's a down. This is the ACC's year, the Pac-12's year. Uh, no, the SEC is the real deal, and you see it now. Not only did they make the College World Series, but they've been extremely competitive in the yeah. College World Series. I think it was just Tennessee dominated the way Tennessee dominated, and it made other teams look sort of mortal. And then Vanderbilt didn't have a Vanderbilt year. 
and Arkansas sort of faded in the final month, and Ole Miss faded in the middle month, you know, where they just disappeared, and Mississippi State went from winning a title to everybody got hurt, and they just didn't look very good most of the second half of the season, and there was a period there where LSU looked really mediocre, and they kind of got hot late and looked good, but I think it was that, and I, I think people went in with an expectation that Auburn's not going to be very good, and, and they begrudgingly finally admitted that they're okay, and, you know, Florida sort of underachieved a little bit. I think it was just all of those things, and then, because I was one of those guys, that went, ah, I think the league's down, and then I, I, as you watch the tournament, you're like, the league wasn't down, they just were beating each other up, and, you know, there were all these, like, look at, at this point, we can go back and look at it, Ole Miss and Arkansas played each other six times. Uh, Ole Miss won on a Friday night, barely handedly in Fayetteville. And uh, Ole Miss beat Arkansas pretty handedly in Omaha. But the other four games, three of which Arkansas won, were super close. Those two teams could have played each other 12 times, and it's probably going to be something like 6-6. I mean, it was that kind of a – and I think you could see that across the board in the league is, I guess, what I'm kind of getting at. you go back and you look at it now and you're like, ah, the league, like you said, the league was a lot better than, than people gave it credit for. I, you know, I always ask, why do you think the league is down because A&M won the West? Why do you think the league is down because Auburn is not a cellar dweller? Why do you think the league is down because Alabama is winning ballgame? It's not that the league is down. One thing about the SEC that I've noticed is if you're a top-tier team and you lose your foothold, one year, you may not gain it back for about six or seven years. That's just the way this league is trending, and that's the way recruiting goes. And uh, so the fact that Auburn – let's not forget Auburn was in the College World Series in 2019. They're not no. a bad program at all. No, not at all. Butch is terrific. He does a great job. Yeah, it's amazing. But it does you, – you brought up a great point. It does show you how good of a team Tennessee was to make the run that they did. Um, to sweep Ole Miss, a team that is in the championship of the College World Series, yeah. to sweep them, and the way they did it, I mean, it was like, is anybody going to stop this team? Um, it, it shows you what the SEC is like. It's very similar to football. They beat each other up every single weekend. The pitching was down this year. There was a lot of injuries. But on a typical year, your Friday night guy is going to be a first-rounder in the Major League Draft. It's just the way it is. So every Friday night, you're seeing the best of the best, and you're chomping at the bit to see a team from another conference because you don't get to see, you know, uh, Connor Prelip who was injured or Landon Sims who was in. They, you know, I remember when I was playing, it was like, thank God we're going to see Oral Roberts or Florida State or somebody other than an SEC pitcher because they're just good. Yeah, have you had a Jello shot yet? Are you 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 staying away from the Jello shots? I got to be honest with you. I, um, I went over to Rocco's. I saw that Ole Miss was still trailing in the uh, count, and I did my best to uh, not only <laughs> buy Jello shots but partake in the consumption of Jello shots. So we we we're there, man. I don't know what the count is, but I I got us a lot closer than we were. Not all heroes wear capes, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, I really appreciate your time. Look forward to your coverage from uh, this weekend. And uh, you're very generous with us. And we certainly appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me, Neil. I appreciate it. That was David DeLucci earlier today. Uh, really fun visit with him. Uh, big fan of his. Uh, loved his major league career. And uh, it was fun for me to talk to him about college baseball, which has um, experienced a, a really great month. Uh, like he was talking about uh, 
there's more of an investment in the sport. You see more and more young players playing the game uh, instead of going professional, and and uh, the quality of play seems to be increasing. So again, Ole Miss and Oklahoma this weekend, Saturday night at six, Sunday at two, and then Monday if necessary. It will be at uh, 6 p.m. Ole Miss announced earlier today that uh, Jack Darty will make the start on uh, Saturday. Hunter Elliott will go on Sunday, and TBA, which is the initials for Dylan DeLucia apparently, will go on Monday if uh, they get there. So we'll have coverage at rebelgrove.com. Chase Parham has content up at rebelgrove.com. He's in Omaha. has been there for a week now. He'll be there till this is over. I'll be here in the Clark Ford Studios. We will have post-game shows on Saturday, Sunday, Monday if there's a game. We'll talk to uh, Jeffrey Wright. We'll talk to Brian Rippey. And then, of course, we'll talk to Chase. And then we'll take your calls, hopefully uh, talking about a championship for Ole Miss. And um, what a cool story that would be, an unbelievable story that uh, kind of two wins away from completely unfolding. Again, our thanks to Comer Heating and Air, Southern Air Conditioning and Heating for making hand-raised guys possible each and every week. Um, We've had people ask when we're going to get back to a live show um, in August when football rolls around, we'll we'll get back to it. Um, In baseball season, it was kind of hard with Chase's schedule. And um, frankly, I think some of these shows have been really good. Some of the ratings show that we are as well. If you aren't uh, a subscriber to this YouTube channel, please do hit the subscribe button, hit the like button, hit the uh, bell for notifications. And uh, we would appreciate all of that. Again, there's content up on our uh, podcast network. Chase had a uh, a visit with Carl Lafferty, the Ole Miss assistant coach. I had a uh, more than one-hour podcast with uh, Kerry Murdoch, who is the publisher at Soonerscoop.com, covers Oklahoma. And, uh, of course, we had our MPW Digital postgame show from Ole Miss's win on Thursday night. More than two hours on that show talking about uh, Ole Miss's win and looking ahead to the series against Oklahoma. So we'll be back with you on Saturday night. Until then, thank you for being a part of uh, our family of shows. Thank you for giving us your time and um, all the kind words in the chat. Hope everyone has a safe trip. For those of you who are driving to Omaha, hope you get there safely. Hope you get home safely as well. And we will talk to you again on Saturday. Until then, I'm Neil McCready. Take care.